education isn't as rigid as college is. So college doesn't equal education. It doesn't have to take you as long as college takes you in order to learn whatever it is that you're learning. There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free. Great to have you back. Let's just jump right into it. All right. What I want to say today is college is not a synonym for education. This has been the theme of my week on TikTok with multiple different comments and multiple different conversations. And I'd like to go over this a little bit more in depth. So I'm going to say this again so people actually hear it. College is not a synonym for education. If you purchase a paper from a college, it is very possible that you will come through that system and be educated because what you are purchasing is you are purchasing access to information from a business. You can purchase access to information from a business from anywhere. It's 2023. You can educate yourself any which way you want, anywhere you want. So this is something that I've been talking to a bunch of parents this week as I'm going through making our custom career roadmaps for teenagers who are about to graduate high school. And this is something that's come up multiple times because as these parents and these kids have been going through and sorting through what jobs and what skills are going to make sense for them in order to make a living, because their main objection to college right now is just the cost. And most people can't justify it because the cost is just far too high. And something else, too, I've noticed is as I'm having these conversations, Gen Z and I think it's Gen Alpha. I'm calling you guys kids, but you're not really you're new adults. That's what we're going to call you. But these young and new adults are very much extremely aware and extremely price sensitive to the cost of college, which is something that's really surprising to me, because I feel like when I was that age, I was not nearly as financially literate as these kids, but they're very much columns looking at the cost and doing the math and just saying, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. They're afraid of the debt. And that is very interesting to me. It's just something that most people wouldn't know unless you sit down and you talk to them about this decision. And I've been able to have that opportunity over the past week. But I was having a conversation today with an 18 year old girl and her mom. And when I was having this conversation, after we sorted through the skills that she's going to be learning, we talked about how she can further her education outside of her work and career. And this is something that I care very much about because I patently just reject the idea. And I reject this idea because it's just not correct. But college does not have a monopoly on education. They are not the gatekeepers. You can't paywall education. That's not something you can do. Education is something that anyone can pursue any way and anywhere they choose. Colleges do not own it. They never will. They never have. And they still don't. And this was a really cool conversation we had today because we talked about basically a menu of options where her daughter could could continue her education outside of work. And so a couple of the options that I went over was these are just well-rounded academic skills that truthfully, they don't really teach in college. But public speaking is a big one. I know sometimes you get to give presentations and stuff like that. But you can join Toastmasters or a local public speaking group and work on your presentation skills, work on being polished and professional and being able to present to a group of people. This day and age, if you can articulate your 
ideas and you can speak to a group of people, you have a superpower. I struggle to do this. I can speak on camera, but I really have a hard time speaking in front of a group of people because that is an extremely valuable learned skill that you just have to polish and it takes education to do that. Another example was language. Language meetups are extremely prevalent. And if you self-teach in a way that is like I said, has never been so available with all of the apps and all of the software that's available now. But if you start self-teaching a language and then you go to a language meetup frequently, you can learn a language much faster than you would if you're learning it in a formal class. But if you are cash flow positive and you are not under the weight of student debt and you're not under the weight of trying to take this ridiculous course load that's full of classes that you don't need, that you don't even care about learning, that you're doing because you must in order to get this four-year degree that takes you five and a half years, you can actually pursue other things. You can take chess to learn critical thinking. You can start dance classes. You can take music lessons. You can take singing lessons. You can take painting classes. These are all things that if you are making money and you are not strapped learning something that you're not interested in, that you don't care about, that's not actually part of the education that you want to create for yourself, you don't have to. And using that time, mental energy, and money, you can actually educate yourself and tailor your education in a way that you would like to and become an extremely well-rounded person. And and then not not even just add to this list reading. You can just read. And I know a lot of people in college, you read, but you only read what you're supposed to read. You don't actually read things that you care about. So I'm just very passionate about this topic. So yeah, that's awesome. You came out swinging there. I have a bunch of things that I want to get to myself. What's funny is I thought I was just like, well, are we going to start this episode? How are we going to start this episode? I'm just like, trying new, new things. So please, everybody, let me know how you would like me. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while, let me go to YouTube and tell me if you like when I do the aloha folks, welcome back to degree free and kind of just talk, do the intro, or if you just want to jump right into it, like how we did today, I, I, I'm not sure how I felt about it. And I wasn't really sure how we were going to come into it, but you just came out swinging. So that was great. There is a lot that I wrote down while you were talking and there's a lot that I wanted to get get to myself. I have a few points that I wanted to get to this week as well. But as far as, you know, you're talking about like the rows and columns of the new adults, the rows and columns and the reason why for everybody listening, new adults, young adults, we're still workshopping a name, something similar to degree free. The reason why we're, we have to create this new language is because there is this widely accepted term college aged kids, which is just crazy. And we all know what college age kids are. They're supposed to be 18 to 22, but really it's like 18 to, I don't know, 26, <laughs> you know, 18 to 35. When I hear that term to college age kids, when I hear the term college age kids, it makes me cringe. It makes me sound, it makes me feel like um, I want to shake people and go, how would you feel if they said these are fruit roll up age kids? That's a crazy thing to say. Oh, these are lucky charms age kids. You know what I mean? You're saying like to, to associate it with a business. Yes. It's okay. so insane. Like <laughs> these are, these are diesel fuel adults. What in the world is that? That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah is that yeah. not insane? Anyway, that's how it sounds to me when I like agree. how in the world have we let an industry just be like, yeah, these are ours. Yeah. What are that's you awesome. talking about? Good for them. 
Yeah, no, 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 because they just checked a default. They're like, oh, yes, default college age adults. What are uh, you doing? Getting back to those new adults and what you were talking about with the rows and columns and how they are much more analytical about the decision to go to college. My first thought after you said that is I wonder if it is sort of like skipping a generation. Right. So like, I think of it like generational wealth, whereas like they say wealth skips a generation. And the theory is, is that, well, this poor person had to work their way up from nothing, right? This poor person had to work their way up. They had that hunger in their belly and it was that hunger that made them successful and made them wealthy, made them rich, whatever rich means to you. And because they had that, they were able to become rich. And now their progeny, offspring, whatever, their kids are not hungry. They don't have that fire in their belly. Because they've never and, been hungry. Exactly. And because their parent, the poor person who is now rich, doesn't want their child to go through the same thing that they had to go through. They don't want them to have to go through and be like, oh man, I have like this 47 cent ramen and that's my food for today and tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I better split this thing in half. And like, they don't want them to go through that. And so they're just going to provide. But because of that, they don't have that hunger in their belly. They're fed. And because they're fed, they're satiated. And then it doesn't go well where they're trying to create wealth for themselves. That's the theory, at least. And then the next, they become poor or they don't steward their money well. And then their children are hungry again. Are hungry again. And so they become wealthy. So in that same vein, I wonder how much of it is college is such an institution now and the access to college has never been greater because of student loans, whatever it was, 52, 67, one of those years. Yeah, 67. And they made federal student loans, right? And so because of that, now we are seeing generations that have had access to college. Whereas prior to that, a lot of people didn't have access to college. And we've talked about this before. That is where at the time prior to the internet, that is where the knowledge was. They had the laboratories, they had the libraries, they had the books. That, Physically, yeah. Exactly. They had the computers. That is where the knowledge was. And so that's where people went. And so when the access started to open up, people flooded in. And then they, they flooded in, they got their degrees, and then it turned out great for them. It turned out great. That's awesome. It turned out so great that when they had kids, they told their kids to go to college, right? And then their kids told their kids to go to college. Anyway, the whole point of this is that my thought is after hearing that is their parents, the parents of these gen whatever, you know, these new adults. Yeah. So they're Gen X, the parents that I'm talking to. They got burned by the college system, they got burned and took on all this debt. Their eyes are open to the system. And because their eyes are open to the system, because of their own life experiences, their parents made them go to college, right? And they said, 
Your life is going to be better because you go to college, because their life was better because they went to college, right? But then we've talked about this many times before. When there's 8% of the population that had college degrees. And the decision that they made to go to college was 40 years ago. Right. It's all the way in the past, which by the way, people, is how they sell the value of college now. They're using the stats of the baby boomers and the silent generation who went to college. So you're giving advice 40 years in the past, 30 years in the past. Like, yeah, look at how successful this was 40 years ago. Literally a generation behind. And so because, you know, if they're 18 year old kids, I'm assuming that their parents are in the 44, you're 25 years old. So 18, so somewhere in the 45 range, let's just say in the forties range, their parents went to college, worked out well for them, forced their kids to go to college, which is the parents now. And they were like, wow, this didn't work out for me. And whatever it is I'm doing now doesn't actually require the college degree. It doesn't require the debt and it is spiraling out of control. And that is why the kids nowadays are looking at it at a much more analytical thing, I think. I'm not sure. I think you're right. And honestly, what's so crazy about that is you, without having talked to these parents, have pretty much nailed on the head exactly their professions as well, which is they don't require college degrees. A lot of them have them but then they had to go into something else. Because that's everybody. That's everybody of that generation. Right. I just read a stat that said 27% of people actually end up working anywhere near their major. And that's after all of that, (laughs) it's a 27% chance that you're going to end up needing that degree. I wanted to talk about a couple more things, just pull that thread a little bit more before we switch topics. You were talking about being educated and you were talking about these general life skills that one should have in order to be educated. The way that I think about it is like well-rounded. Is well-rounded really what we need now? Does it matter is the point. So I don't have a horse in this race, right? All I know or all I think I know is that soft skills matter, right? And so where do soft skills fall within this, right? Does that mean you're well-rounded or is that a specific set of skills that's different, I'm not sure, but this reminds me of a conversation that you and I had a year plus ago with a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. And we were talking about people in the job market today and whether or not they needed to be well-rounded or not. And this CEO, the company that he runs is very much in the job space. His finger is on the pulse of everything that's happening in the job space and what skills are necessary and who's getting hired and everything like that, which is why he got in contact with us, which is he completely agrees with what we are saying because he can see it in his data of his company. Yeah. Real quick, before we go into more of this too, is the thing that stood out the most from that conversation was he told us that companies do not hire people that look like their job descriptions. That was the biggest takeaway other than the fact that also he was just a super cool person. But the biggest takeaway from that conversation was companies do not hire people that look like their job descriptions. There's a complete and utter disconnect between what they post and who they hire. Yep, absolutely. And that's awesome because he has the data on that. Yeah, this is not a guess. This is not a hunch. This is him looking at extremely high quality, extremely far reaching data and saying, that's not what they do. That is not their behavior. They can say whatever they want. This is That's the not job, what they do. This is the job description. This is all the requirements, quote, requirements that it says. This is the description that it says. And this is the resume of the candidate that you actually hired. And then they match that up. And they do that however many times they do that. A lot. 
because there's a lot of people on the platform and companies don't hire, which is why he reached out, like I said, which is why he's like, yeah, this degree free thing absolutely is true, has legs. You don't need to go to college. It's not really necessary to do that in order to get hired and have a good job. What we were talking about in the context of what you were talking about, which is general education, is what he sees is that in the job market now, people are getting hired for singular skill sets much, much more. And so what he called, it was pointy people, which is people that have skills in one area. So once again, there is a basis of skills that you need, which is you need the soft skills. As we've talked about many times on this podcast, soft skills is what's going to matter in the future with AI coming in and taking everybody's jobs, quote, right? Soft skills is what's going to matter. So that's just the basis of what we need. And now if you have that, do you really need to be rounded on the other ends or do you need to go and just learn a set of skills that are in one domain? So this is a really important conversation because this is the crux of the issue because colleges want to have their cake and they want to eat it too. They want to say, you have to buy this thing in order to get a job. That's not true. That's not true at all. So now they have to say, we are education, right? So they have to be both. And in reality, they are neither. And so what's happening is people are confusing and conflating these things together. So these are two separate questions, I think. I think, do you need to be a well-rounded person in order to get work? No. Do you want to be a well-rounded person for yourself to be an educated person because you value education, you value the act of being educated, you value the pursuit of education, and you want to be someone who has a breadth of knowledge about certain things that you believe to be the qualities of someone who is an educated individual. And that I think is a different thing entirely. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure where that second one comes into play other than your own ego, right? Like other- no, It doesn't. It's, it's completely internal, I think. And and that it's important though, because this is where you have to address this because people feel like if they don't buy a college degree, they're risking the ability to get a job and then they're risking their ability to be educated. They think that they can have neither of these two things and both are untrue. And that's why it's important to separate them and address them both separately, which is why we're talking about this now because it comes up a lot. Then the last point that I wanted to talk about with this first thing that we're talking about is that education isn't as rigid as college is. So college doesn't equal education. It doesn't have to take you as long as college takes you in order to learn whatever it is that you're learning. Hey there, I hope that you're loving this episode of the Degree Free Podcast. We spend a ton of time every week creating this content for you. So my only ask is you take a quick second to leave a review or thumbs up on whatever platform you're on. It's one of the best and easiest ways that you can support this podcast. And this simple action can help bring more people into the Degree Free community. At Degree Free, we wanna help as many people as we can thrive and succeed without needing a college degree. Your review will be a step in that direction. If you could do this small favor right now, pause this, and leave a review, it would truly mean the world to us. Thank you and back to the show. So what I mean by that is that Calc 1, Calc 2, that's your first semester, that's your second semester. It's a year long thing, let's say, okay? Can you learn Calc 1 and Calc 2 faster than four months and four months? Maybe if you put your mind to it and then you do it, right? Okay, so you learn everything that there is to know about Calc 1 and Calc 2 
in four months and then now you're moving on instead of taking a whole year, right? Education isn't rigid. Education is actually extremely, extremely pliable and extremely, extremely flexible. It takes as long as it takes you to learn the skill or to learn the knowledge. A good example is for me and my experience becoming an EMT. In order to be a firefighter, I needed to go through EMT school, just like how a lot of people have to go to EMT school. In Hawaii, there is a two-year program at the local community college that teaches you how to become an EMT and how to pass the national registry of EMTs, how to pass the EMT certification. It takes two years, right? And then there are classes all around the country that do it in like a few months or so, right? Maybe a few weeks. I did mine in six weeks. So it takes six weeks to get licensed or a college can prolong it two years. It didn't take two years to become an EMT. It took six weeks. That's how long it took. Which begs the question, why is it two years? <laughs> because it has to fit in their rigid structure of semester, 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 semester. And then you're taking gen ed courses all along the way. Even though your result is the same. It's exactly the same. And I know that this is the case because when I got hired as a fireman, I was friends with somebody that was going through this EMT school at the local community college. And they were in their first year. By the time that I had graduated my you know, recruit training or my fire academy, eight months later from my time of hire, I already had my EMT and I was also a firefighter. So I like lapped this person and this person just finished their first year of community college and they're like in summer. And I'm just like, dude, that's crazy because I can go work on a rig right now and you're doing this for two years and then you're taking art classes too. Like if the point is to become educated and then pass this thing. For a job skill. Yeah, for a job skill, then why don't you just go do that? But it's not even a job skill, but like just a skill skill or a knowledge knowledge, right? I mean, like if you're trying to learn Spanish, well, why don't you just go learn Spanish? But also why is it limited to the span of a college too? Because if you want to learn Spanish for 10 years and you want to keep learning Spanish because you want to just get really, really good at Spanish, you're not limited to whatever parameters a college sets. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know who said it, but it was like Mark a guest Wayne. on... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. He's That guy's always saying things. <laughs> but Thomas Jefferson, I think it was somebody on Tim Ferriss's podcast or something like that which is the average time frame to learn something is for chumps. Oh, I like that. So whatever the average is, you look at that and be like, okay, I can, I can do it in half the time. That's laughable. Basically. Yeah. And so, yes, it's possible. And I think that's exactly right. College doesn't equal education, especially because education is much more fluid than fitting in within four and a half months here, four and a half months there, and then summer. Right? Like you can do all of it at one time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. So moving on, I wanted to talk about something from a report that the World Economic Forum put out, the Future of Jobs Report 2023. I, I'll stop right here for just for a second. This thing is a behemoth. It's like 296 pages. It's like crazy. I mean, most of it's pictures, which is good for me, but 
they're not the good kind of pictures. They're graphs. They're bar charts. Oh, that's not they're a picture. pie charts. Those are not the same thing. <laughs> right. It's a visual graphical representation of data that don't mislead the people. You made them think it was a picture book, which is nice, but it's still a lot of reading. And so I went through and skimmed it because I didn't <laughs> read it. I went through and skimmed it so you don't have to. Give us your educated take. <laughs> yeah. And so, no, what, what was really awesome about this is that there are basically, I'm going to talk about the seven jobs that are disappearing the fastest. Are they like the seven dwarves? Right. Sleepy, sneezy. Yeah, exactly. And so they are disappearing the fastest, but I won't bury the lead. Basically, there are a lot of jobs that are going away or at least decreasing. The good part about it, it's not good for the people that are in these jobs, but the good part about it is that it is following a very predictable pattern of jobs that are decreasing. And we've been talking about it for a long time on this podcast about the implications of AI, which is a lot of what this report is talking about, which is generative AI is picking up, it is coming in into the workforce. And we did that whole deep dive into that LinkedIn AI report. I think it was their future of work report as well. And so it is happening right underneath our noses as we speak. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know that there is a trend of the jobs that are out there that are disappearing. And so if you're in one of these things, you know, you can start transitioning out now. You can see it coming. Exactly. And so the seven jobs are going to be the first one. We talked about this in an episode and I'm feel very good about it. It is bank tellers. Oh yeah. Right. And so once again, what's crazy, right? Is that bank tellers, the invention of the ATM machine, more bank tellers than ever, even though people thought that there'd be less bank tellers, but now with online banking, and AI, less bank tellers. It wasn't the ATMs that got the bank tellers. It was the apps, folks. Exactly. Yeah, it was the apps and now AI helping a lot with the customer service. and Chatbots. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of chatbots out there. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you have absolutely interacted with one and you've probably like wanted to shoot yourself in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, man. Just no, zero. Press zero. Round. Like, let me chat with a human. Person, person, person. Yeah. <laughs> and so the next one is going to be secretaries and administrative assistants, which I see making sense because I imagine that majority of secretaries and administrative assistants are in... I don't know what else to say, so I'm just going to say it. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but I'll just say low skill type of secretaries and administrative assistants. It's a lot of managing different tasks and ma managing very easily explained projects. And if it's something that's easily explained and easily repeatable and executable, then that is ripe for AI to come in and disrupt. Is that physical? I wonder if the virtual assistants are on the rise though. I wonder if outsourced assistants, virtual people are actually being hired more. I'm not 100% positive, but I would wager a large amount of money that virtual assistants, which are just assistants just over the internet in a different time zone, probably in a different country, 
is absolutely on the rise. The reason why is very simple, really. It's just cost, right? I mean, it's just it's just cost. The arbitrage that you can get for your money in another country is huge. It just cost. And I was thinking of all the new, like all the new businesses and small businesses, and they need help and they do need those things. They just can't afford the labor cost of hiring somebody to do that in that way. I don't know if it was a article I read or something or a podcast I was listening to. I think it might've been a podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about a dental office. So that's a brick and mortar business. They had a really, really hard time getting a front desk or like a receptionist. Mm -hmm. And they had a hard time and it was really expensive. You had to pay insurance and everything like that. And so what they did was they hired a virtual assistant and I'm using air quotes here. They hired somebody in the Philippines to sit there on a iMac all day in front of a webcam. What in the black mirror? <laughs> and check people in. That's great. And so they would, this person is on all day, just like how a physical receptionist would be. And they are checking people in over the internet. And so this person, even though they're living in the Philippines, they work on US time. When the person goes, hey, how are you doing? They talk story, they make chit chat, they check them in. Because it's all, and then they're like, okay, the the doctor will see you now. Cool. And then they and then and they let them in. Crazy, right? Yeah. Cool though. Yes. And so th- there's two factors that I want to come around to. I think yes, higher than ever virtual assistants because of the cost. Also, virtual assistants for them, their labor has never scaled more because on their side, they are using AI to fulfill all of the tasks that they were doing, right? And so their labor now scales even more. Many agencies almost. Yes. And then secondly, the stigma of doing it and the technology, the stigma has come down and the technology has caught up, right? So it's never been easier to communicate with people that are across the world, right? There's Slack, there's Google Chat, there's Zoom, there's all of these different meeting and management tools out there for you. And then the stigma of doing that, a lot of it has to do with COVID and everything going remote. All of that is way down and non-existent anymore. Right. So now that's just revolutionary instead of strange. What I wanted to say about the secretaries and administrative assistants though, is the one subset of this that I do not think is going away. Executive. Are executive assistants. Yeah, they're going to get paid more than ever. They're they more are, valuable than ever. Exactly. Yeah. The executive assistants are going to be more valuable than ever. Yeah. All I saw when I heard that, I was like, that just means that the people that remain in that field are just going to be extremely high paid. Exactly. And it's because they are going to be so necessary and so good at their job. And we're talking about executive assistants for executives, right? For C-suite people, maybe, you know, vice president level, they are doing a lot of management for these people. And those people are going to be more necessary than ever. Yeah. I believe. I I agree with you. It's funny you had that thought. I had the same one. Yeah. Especially with all the VAs, right? So that one executive might have an army, might have five VAs underneath them. Yeah. But then they don't want to deal with that because they're running the company. And so their executive assistant is running an army 
of EAs for this one person. I wonder how many I wonder how many EAs have EAs. <laughs> I like I would love to if you know anyone that is an executive assistant that has an executive assistant please send them our way. I would be so interested in how that works because that would be a cool story. So the third is going to be cashiers. That's Duh. obvious. Right? Yeah. I mean, we see that this all, it's been for the, years in the US. You see that everywhere. One, it just makes sense. It's cheaper for the stores yeah. to have these, you know, corrals yeah right like six registers it's cheaper they don't it doesn't it's put one bag it's the family guy episode uh of that with the self-checkout machines are like trying to make peter uh suffocate himself with the bag it's, pr- it's hilarious and that's like 10 years old now i think it's still because i haven't watched family guy in years yeah. long time long time so uh, cashiers, it makes sense. There's one cashier, whereas before you would have needed six. So it's a six of the cost. And then you're n- not only that, but you're getting like 20x the efficiency, just also having to do with the way that those lines work, right? Instead of having one line, like you ever go to like Ross or oh something? Oh my gosh. What, no, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying about Ross is that they do one thing right, which is they have one central line or queue. And then they move you to the respective cashier. Exactly. But usually there's so it's like one. And, yeah, Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's yeah. like not really. Right. Or like bank tellers or something like that. But bank tellers do the same thing. In banks, there's yeah, one yeah, central yeah. line and then you know you go to the next available. Correct. And that's the correct way to do it as far from an f- efficiency standpoint. Sure. That's how you're supposed to do it. But for some reason, we don't do that. And But at so, checkouts, you do. At self-checkouts, you do. So not only are you getting the efficiency and the higher revenue per square foot, like you've shrunk down the square footage, you have 20 checkout registers instead of only having four in the same amount of square footage. So there's just efficiencies all the way down and up. But you know what though? I think about the cashiers and I will say, uh, I'm about to out our state, but we live in Texas and I know that at the HEBs, we... We love the heave. Everybody loves the heave. Everybody loves the heave, which is a moment of appreciation you for the heave. If you know about you know, the heave, leave a comment on YouTube immediately. Stop this. Even if you're listening on audio, stop this right now. Pull over on the side of the road and comment on YouTube. I was in Arizona. I'm sorry. This is going <laughs> on a tangent. An ode to the heave. I was in Arizona. We was, know it's called H-E-B, guys. We know. <laughs> I was talking to my friend who's also from Hawaii, who is living in Arizona. And I was telling him like, oh yeah, there's this store called H-E-B. We're walking out of the men's restroom. <laughs> we, are, uh, we just finished up a round of golf and there were these guys that were just sitting down on the couches right outside of the H-E-B. And I'm just going to say, it didn't matter. They were feminine, but it's a very crucial part of the story. Everybody knows I think they were, that if you get this stamp, you're like, okay. Yeah, I, I think they were gay. And that, not that that matters. I don't care. It does. It makes it more important. But it matters <laughs> to the story because I'm like walking. I was like, yeah, H-E-B is like the best as I'm walking out of the... I push the door to exit. And then, and then one of the guys in the chair, he's just like... Oh my God, H-E-B. I love H-E-B. H-E-B is the best. And I was just like, see, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) He immediately got the stamp and it's a gold stamp and you know, oh, it's really good. (laughs) Yeah. 
and and I've, I was just talking to my friend for like the last 10 seconds about H-E-B and he just wasn't getting it. He was like, I don't get it. It's just a grocery store, right? And he got an endorsement. Yeah, right. Exactly. What's funny is that when once my friend heard that, his whole demeanor changed. He was like, oh, wow. okay, so, okay, so it's like... <laughs> It's like a thing. Like it's, I don't get it though. But like, God, explain it. Stamp. Explain it to me. Anyway, H <laughs> E B, love it. Stop love it. whatever it is that you're doing right now and comment. Let uh, drop a heart for H E B. Yeah, you guys know my point that I was going to make is even since we've been here, I have actually noticed less cashiers, but more of the shoppers. More of the shoppers, right? The labor's just moving around the store. I think you're talking about shoppers for people that are doing curbside pickup or yeah. delivery. Yeah. You're talking about the people that are going to the store and that have the big racks and they're picking. Yeah. It's basically a pick and pack. Basically. Yeah. It's literally pick and pack. Yeah. And there's way more of them than there were when we got here a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, definitely. And and that has to do with the cashiers. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Right. Which yeah, is, but they're probably not laying them off. They're just moving them. Well, it's the same thing. Why it makes so much sense for the grocery stores to do that and to push that because once again, you're not coming into the store and taking up any of their resources, right? Like you're not taking up any of their resources at all. And their like revenue per square foot just skyrockets if they weren't going to get that purchase from you anyway. If that's the thing that's keeping you from coming into our store, which is you have to get out of your car and actually come in and like decide on the things that you want, I'm going to make this really easy for you. But it's a major win for them because their revenue per square foot just goes up. It's the same thing with fast food restaurants have been doing this for generations. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this for a long time now because what I'm talking about is a drive-thru. They've Double down, triple down on the drive-through because they can have smaller and smaller footprint actual restaurants, and then their drive-through scales almost infinitely. I mean, you see it at McDonald's and other drive-throughs. They now have two places where you can order. They have two places where have you, you can. Have you been to a Chick Fil A? The Chick Fil A's got like four lanes. I don't yeah. know what those people are doing over there, but it's, yeah, and it's so like, you what's can. What's happening here? You can go and you can order. And it makes sense because you weren't going to go and sit out down in the restaurant anyway. They don't want you to go and sit down in the restaurant anyway, because then you're going to have to go use the restroom and then you're going to use their toilet paper and their water and their paper towels and their hand soap. They don't want that. But now- Go eat in your car. Just go be lonely. Go to a park and just stare at the steering wheel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We have strong feelings about eating in the car. (laughs) It can either be really sad or really nice, depending on how busy you are. (laughs) It's just, it's just a really, it's re- there's really no in between. It's just either really sad or like really nice. Okay, I want to get through this. Okay, okay. what's the next one? What's the, the next, next one? one is <laughs> postal service workers. Oh, okay, well, yeah. Postal service workers. That's because the post office is uh, never made money ever. Uh, well, they're losing money and they've always <laughs> lost money. So I mean, that makes That's sense. That's kind of what they do. And, and, well, because they're so, so such an essential part of everyday life but they also run into deficit, the want and the need to find efficiencies in that is incredible. I mean, what if in a perfect world, we didn't have to go to the post office anymore? And I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. So you just have a scale at home Right, and then you weigh your stuff, and then you buy postage, and then you drop it. It's and an then, Amazon scale. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You <laughs> Jeff know. Jeff Bezos is gonna own the post office. Yeah. 
The next after that is going to be bookkeeping, accounting, and auditing clerks. Sure. Makes sense. The re- AI. Yeah. Well, it's a very, what did we just talk about before, which is their repeatable tasks. Yeah. They're easily defined repeatable tasks. And anybody that has ever spent any time in QuickBooks or, you know, Wave or any of these other small business or bookkeeping softwares knows what a godsend some of these category match things are. And so it's like, oh, well, you spent money at this company, you know, at amazon.com, and that's usually office supplies. Would you like to just put all amazon.com purchases in, in office supplies? And you're just like, yep, sounds good. And then you, and then you just move all those over. And then like half of your thing is done already. It's not perfect yet because there's, you still have to like drill down and you'll be like, well, what did I buy at Amazon? Oh, okay. Well, this is actually like a movie rental for you know, prime. <laughs> it's like, sorry, that's not supposed to be on there. <laughs> and so you're supposed to, you just move that off. Right. And then like, this is for office supplies. And then now this one is actually for meals and entertainment or whatever. And so you can tell who runs the bookkeeping in our house. <laughs> well, yeah. And so what this AI is going to do is that it's going to be able to drill down to that second level and it's going to be able to automatically sort, automatically sort and categorize that stuff for you. So you just, you don't have to do anything. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. The next thing is going to be information clerks does that not fall under bookkeepers or admin no 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 information clerks it's yeah it's weird right like what the hell is that information clerks are going to be like uh what we were talking about like receptionists but like for hotels oh hmm. right okay. like ho- yeah hotels sure motels holiday inns file clerks record clerks so like i think to myself when i was working in commercial credit i had to go and get files down in the storeroom right and so we'd go down to the storeroom and there's like a literal like half door, you know, those two stage doors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so they would open up the the top when they were in and then you would put the order form of like the what the docs that you needed were in. That's what they're saying. Like those people that helped me retrieve the docs, those people are going to be. Because it's all going to get digitized. Right. It's all going to be digitized. Which is huge. which actually a massive thing. People don't realize it too, that the amount of times I've encountered that as a business problem is huge to the point where people just go, yeah, we'd love to pay somebody 20 bucks an hour to come in and scan our documents. So if anyone's ever looking for a side hustle, you can just go to some law office and be like, hey, do you have documents that you want to have scanned in? I'll charge you 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, you're <laughs> going to have to figure out if you do this. I mean, I literally did this. This is one of my first jobs. So one of the things that you have to think about is you have to know whatever field that you're going to do for this electronic content management for or for contract management, whatever it is, you're going to have to know the rules of the game for whatever business that is. Yeah. And so law offices, they have to stand up to like a certain code, security code. A healthcare, it has to be HIPAA. And they have to keep them for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Mortgages, it's something else. And so if you get into this game, it probably makes sense that you go after you learn the rules of like law offices in your area or in your state. And you just go after law and offices. And then you just go after those at first because- You know the rules. Right. You know the, you know, you know the rules there. And then 
if you wanted to, you could just go for a completely like not as regulated industry. Mm-hmm. And so you could go to a plumbing company that ex- has a lot of invoices like exactly. laying around and stray stuff. Right. Or, you know, you're, you're talking about like construction companies. There's a lot of invoicing. There's a lot of paperwork. Contracts. There are a lot of contracts, right? Yep. You can go to like design firms, right? Ooh. Like those different the, versions. A lot these, of, oh, yeah, holy crap. A, like agencies are really paper heavy yeah really really paper heavy heavy, but then if you also go to like an actual brick and mortar place that sells really you know mid-tier products to a lot of people so we're talking about like in the thousand to maybe like hundred thousand dollar range maybe so maybe like five thousand to like a hundred thousand dollar range usually depending on like just in that range those are more expensive products so there's usually doesn't all it's not always the case but there's usually going to be more paperwork involved with those things Hmm. and so you like roofing yeah well i mean whatever whatever it is just in that price range you're going to have more paperwork because the sales process is longer the lead time to close a sale on those things are usually longer Hmm. and so those are good places to start yeah that is if you're you're going to go into that good guidelines yeah and so but yeah i don't want to be a debbie downer I just wanted to bring this up for people that are in these industries right now. Now you have an idea and you can focus on upskilling and getting out of these roles, transitioning out of these roles. And the transition can happen in many ways. You can work your way up in that company. You can transition out to a different company doing a different role. It can come in many different ways. But now that you know that it's probably coming down the pipeline where we are going to see these job categories shrink shrink and detract. Get ready. Right, exactly. And then for those people, you know, that have kids and they're looking at their first job, I don't think it's going to happen like overnight. No, I think those are good entry level roles. Exactly. So if you're looking at their like first, first, first job, it's fine. Your first job's not your last job, people. If if it's going to be the cashier at a local grocery store or at a Walmart or something. They're not going away overnight. It's fine. The room to grow right like but but you're saying well well the industry is detracting why would we want them to go into a dying industry or you know shrinking job it's because they will have room to grow if they internalize it right and and i've said this before on a few episodes back but if we think about room to grow if we think about that and we just say I'm going to be in charge of growing. It's my mindset and my skill set that I'm going to continue to grow and I'm going to continue to be more valuable and more valuable and more valuable. If you can internalize that and then you can act on those things, there's no way that you stay a cashier for the rest of your life. No. There's no way. No. Even if that is going away. Yeah. It's just a stepping stone. It's the first job. It's your next job, whatever it is. You know what I mean? But it's not your career. Yeah. Your career is where you go. It's not where you start. Man, these episodes are going by really, really quickly. I hope that people like these episodes really. I hope that you think that we're prepared, but we prepare things separately and then we come to talk about them. These are more electric for us. We enjoy these more because it's more of a conversation, but I also can understand from a listener's perspective. I listen to a lot of podcasts that maybe it's like, oh, you guys are just, you'd just like to hear the sound of your own voice. And 
we make these podcasts for you. You're listening to this. So I want to know how we're doing. Leave us a comment on YouTube and let us know if you like this or if you want us to tighten it up. And I actually have like six more things that I want to talk about today. But I think that this is a good place to end. Yeah, I think so too. And if you do find anything interesting or come across some studies, anything that you think that we should see, send it to us because we'd like to cover it. Yeah, absolutely. Leave a comment in the YouTube about different topics, different ideas that you want us to dive into. It really, really helps to prepare this. And like I said, we make this episode for you. If you want to get more of this type of content, if you want to know more about the changing landscape of jobs, work, and education, then go ahead and go over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up and get our free weekly newsletter. Yep. And that's pretty much it for this week. Until next time, guys. Aloha.